Hey, everybody. Uh, we're coming to you from the Eagle's Nest in Oradia, Romania. And uh, with us today is my man, Fritz Slayer, and that is his real last name. Um, Fritz and I have kind of an interesting background because we've been friends for a really long time, but we've never actually worked together. Somehow we, our paths just kept crossing and we've been friends for like 10 plus years. Um, I'm going to let Fritz tell you about Fritz has a very unique background. And, uh, if, if you guys want, you can go on YouTube and check out the uncle sugars magic circus. Uh, with a couple friends of ours, Sal and Keith, uh, Fritz did an interview about scout snipers in the Marine Corps uh, recently. So, Fritz, um, if you would just tell us a little bit about your background, and and then we'll we'll get on to, into why uh, I brought you on today. Sure. Uh, well, thanks for having me today, and for your listeners, thanks for your time. Uh, hopefully, this is entertaining uh, and informative. Uh, I was. You know, I, I grew up in California, Southern California, and I did my high school years in the country of Colorado. So that was a pretty diverse uh, change from like Orange County to the mountains of Colorado. And then I uh, joined the Corps on my 17th and I did 22 years in the Marine Corps. Part of that was in the infantry, uh, as he led into with uh, scout sniping and infantry squad leader all the way up to infantry platoon sergeant and uh, even a platoon commander before I lateral moved into uh, CI Humit. And I did that both on the conventional side with a focus on Iraq and uh, the special operations side uh, all over. So add up, I did a lot of teaching time uh, on what we say on, and uh, now I'm in Wilmington, Carolina, and it's great. It's the happy of life. All right. So, like I said, Fritz is a very dynamic background. I'm getting a little bit in and out, so I'm just going to do a quick recap. So Fritz uh, joined the Marine Corps as an infantry guy, was a sniper, went into counterintelligence and human intelligence, ended up in a special ops community, and uh, you actually helped. Well, I think you pretty much built the uh, Marine Corps Special Operations Intelligence course that the uh, the guys go through. Yeah? Uh yeah, yeah, I was a contributor to it, um, but I was, uh, but I, w I w did create with a few other individuals um, the CI human portion of of that course. All right, so I asked Fritz to come on here um, because uh, in his retirement, he's uh, exposed a certain side of your of you that I was never really aware of, and that's your uh, <laughs> sort of your poetic or whatever side. Um, you, you've been very proactive in trying to help people transitioning out of the Marine Corps. And I think one of the reasons why I never saw that is because you were always so busy. You were always deployed or at a school or training up some new people. Like you, you never have free time is what it seemed like on, on my end. Um, but Fritz wrote this musing, I guess you could say about a month or so ago. Um, just, just for his friends to see, but it really caught my attention and kind of talked about life after the Marine Corps and looking back on life in the Marine Corps. And one of the reasons why I found this pretty to be a pretty big deal is because time and time again, um, I just see people who they can't transition from military to civilian life and, and veterans, um, you know, groups on Facebook or even in real life, people are always talking about how hard the transition is and, you know, the military was all they knew and they don't know how to act around civilians. And, 
you know, you captured some of that in, um, in this piece that you wrote up and, and if it's okay, I'd like to put that in a word document and, and attach it to the show notes so people can, you know, who aren't connected on Facebook, they can read it and maybe have an understanding. Yeah. It'd be great. Uh, um, ask uh, apology in advance for uh, any grammatical or uh, <laughs> spelling errors. I didn't go through the editorial process. That was uh, me unedited, uh, just talking about my thoughts. Well, if you would, uh, so there was a couple things that I highlighted in it, um, but if it's fresh in your head and you just kind of want to explain, you know, the title and what prompted you to write it. Sure. I mean, you know, it's weird how my, I guess my creative side works. Uh, I think it was like Friday night, late Friday night, and I just started writing. Like it popped into my head. It's kind of like the whole adage where, you know, your best thoughts happen in the shower on the shitter. It was kind of one of those moments and I just started running like, wait a second, you know, because I, I agree with you. I see a lot of guys on the internet um, who are like, oh, it's hard to transition. I don't know if that's so, I, I don't know how much reality that actually is, right? Because it, social media allows uh, a, a silent minority to a loud voice. Um, but I definitely do see it like day to day. Like if I'm driving around, there's a lot of bro vet stuff going. I'd like to call it bro vet stuff. You know, there's, you know, it's, it's almost like now that I'm a civilian, it's almost like eye rolling to see like the stickers and the, you know, all this shit. And we've all been victim of that. You know, we've all been guilty of it uh, at one point in our career. But, you know, when you're out and you're moving on with life, like what I realize is people are like, oh, okay, that's cool. But what, what do you have to offer now? Like, you know, okay, cool. You know, you did that. Like, but uh, I wasn't there, so I don't get it, you know? So I just started writing and, you know, I mean, I, it, it may come off as a little arrogant um, and I didn't mean that at all, um, especially talking about like who I was before I joined the Marine Corps. I've always been kind of this dynamic person. My dad was, my mom was, um, my whole family, like the, my last name Slayer, like back, you know, into uh, the depression, they performed in vaudeville to make it through um the depression and so grow i grew up in that right i kind of grew up in that like do as many things as you can like throw as much shit against the wall and see what sticks right and that's how my dad was and my mom was growing up they never said you're going to be a soccer player or you're going to be a football player or you're going to be a catholic <laughs> or anything right it was just like figure it out man like we're here we got your back, go out there and crush, get good grades, stay out of trouble, go crush. So when I joined the Marine Corps, you know, and I allude to this in the, in the paper is I, I it, who I was, the, the core was reaching out to me. I was more wanting to go, Hey, I want to go do this stuff. Cause it looks for the bottom line. It looks fun. And it really fit my personality. Now, fast forward 22 years later, five combat deployments, you know, deployments around the world, lots of good times, a ton of bad times. I mean, you and I, you know, we chewed the same area for, you know, in 04 and, you know, there's, there's, there's mix of the reason why we all get divorced. <laughs> there's a reason why, right. I mean, there's this whole thing that happens where um, you kind of mature and then, and then boom, you're at the back end of the Marine Corps. And in my case, you know, I got divorced right at the end. 
um, two older kids, you know, my son is 15, my daughter's 12. There was a lot of, I deployed one last time to get one last one in, uh, you know, and, and then, yeah. And then I got back, I had three months to get out of the Marine Corps, three months. And I was scared, even though I didn't realize who I was, right? Like I didn't, all I was, I was very focused on who I, who I was in the present, like gunnery sergeant slayer. And this identity of all of the things that I have done. And then it's like, I knew that the day I got my DD-214, <clears throat> that that wasn't going to be the case anymore. It's great to have it on the background. I have some stuff on the wall that I like. And, you know, like, like you do, you know, there's some stuff up there. And it's like, yeah, man, I did that. I'm proud of it. But it's not who Fritz is. Like, Gunnery Sergeant Slayer is not who Fritz is. And so... I'm kind of at, at this point, you know, six months out, I'm kind of unraveling um, that whole thing. And I'm even having memories of high school that I haven't thought about <laughs> since high school. And I think it's part of that psychological unpacking. But it's great because now I don't have to, I can just be me, you know, I, I don't have to be this person in uniform that's being judged and I have, I'm a leader, so I have to act a certain way or present myself a certain way. Um, I can, I'm, I'm now exploring who I am as an adult. So that, that original personality attitude, um, but as an adult and the, the, the security and the confidence and, um, you know, just kind of, I'm secure now. Like I don't have to impress anybody. Right. I don't have to, like I made it. Like I, I feel like I'm, I'm bonafide in the world and I can basically be a funny guy or talk my emotions because quite honestly, I think it's helpful and I think it's healthy. Sure. Um, speaking of, I mean, considering the career path that you had, very dynamic, very high speed, um, doing some sensitive stuff. I'd say it's about medium speed. It wasn't the highest. Well, it, 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 I, <laughs> I know where you were and I've seen you in action. So, uh, was was it difficult transitioning? And that's kind of a broad statement because there's a lot of there's sure. job difficulty. Are you going to stay or move difficulty, relationship difficulty? But I mean, like, let's just talk like day to day life going from a dynamic environment to civilian life. You know, it's a lot different than than, you know, no offense to anybody, but, you know, being a supply guy on base yeah. and getting yeah, out no, as get opposed yeah, to, yeah. you know, running and gunning all the time. Um, did Was there any issues with that okay so what that's a great question and i hope to answer it like really accurately um there was a couple things personally no most retirees no unless like at your 13 year mark you, there's guys that like put the the tick on the 20 year mark like i am getting out on this date right in my case 20 years went came and by right i got my fifth ash mark and it just kind of went by and I was like, well, I'm going to keep going. Right. There were some life circumstances at the time that like kept me in past 20, but for the most, I would say about 95% of my mentality is like, okay, I got the golden five hash marks. Now it's on my time. I'm going to see how long I can do this for. Right. And so, um, because I love the core. I mean, I, lo I loved it. I mean, there's a lot of shit I hated about it, but I love the core. I, there was a lot of people I hated, but I love the core. <laughs> but uh, so um, I, I don't know. I think when I was done, I was done. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, you know, for the listeners, I mean, they could go back, you know, the biggest thing I did is I made sure that I was going to take some time off. And I did that almost 7,000 mile trip with my girlfriend living the back out of our Subaru and going to the America Southwest and the Rocky Mountains and Navajo Nation. And it was, it was transformative. That itself wasn't just transition. It was transformative. It was really like, man, I, I don't have to be anywhere and I can do whatever I want and I can just smile every single day and I can sleep in every single day and I can just have this great experience with my girlfriend who's going to be with me for the rest of my life. I'm convinced of it, right? Does she know that? <laughs> uh, I hope so. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, that was the first part. And then... Um, you know, and everybody weren't, you know, I got this job where I'm working from home and it's a great, you know, it's a different environment, you know, working at home. Um, and everybody's like, oh man, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Well, I mean, like you said, I was a little bit of a different person in the Marine Corps, right? So um, the last thing I was doing was going to work to make any friends. Now I have a lot of friends at work, but my, that wasn't social hour for me. It never was. Sure. Like I went to work because it was time to get work done. And if, if I have one or two guys in that whole group that likes me, we'll go hang out like, you know, afterwards, but I never went to work for the social aspect of it. Like I have friends on the outside. I do things. Um, so when I retired, it was just kind of like, okay, well, well, I mean, I'm a little bit isolated. That's the weird thing is, you know, I'm kind of a poppy guy. And, uh, because of our, our prior job, you have to be a talker. And now I don't do that much. So that part of it is a little bit of a transition thing, but I don't know. I don't, I, uh, I got a little bit overweight and I say dude a lot more. (laughs) And I mean, other than that, I think I'm, you know, I think I adjusted pretty well. I mean, I also was very lucky to get a good job and, you know, you know, and that, and, and, you know, we work so hard in the Marine Corps to make sure that we can enjoy this chapter of our life. Sure. So I'm now coming to terms with all of that, all of that mess up, you know, like not mess up, but that whole experience for 22 years and the divorce and, you know, all of that led into now me understanding really who I am. And now that I have the opportunity to just be happy to take advantage of it. And I think it, a lot of people, when I say a lot of people, I mean, like in my sphere of influence, so I'm not speaking for the entire Marine Corps, but of my friends and, and acquaintances, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks that did what we did um, and, and special operations guys, when they do get out, whether they retire or get out on their own, um, it seems like they, they tend to find similar work and, and you kind of alluded to it in the piece, or at least they look for work in something that they know, whether it's contracting or, you know, maybe doing something with the state department or some other government entity or, uh, whatever whatever it is. Sure. Whatever. Um, and and you had kind of made mention of that, but it was also kind of, uh, I, I thought I had it highlighted and I guess when I pulled it up here, all my highlights went away, so I can't find it, but you had made mention of, you know, Hey, if, if, if you do your time in the military and get out, but you want to keep doing that, then there's jobs out there for you. you, you do you know the part that I'm talking about where you said that something similar? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. So I spoke recently at, um, it's called, uh, the honor foundation, THF. They're, um, they're a group of people who basically 
teach more senior special operators. It started off with the SEALs, now the Raider Foundation hosts it in, in North Carolina. And it teaches guys pre-retirement uh, or getting out how to be successful in the business world and just kind of how to be uh, you know, a businessman and how to be a normal dude. So I was invited to come in and speak with the Honor Found to the Honor Foundation class, the last cohort. And what I told him, I was like, is everybody anxious? Does everybody feel that anxiety? <laughs> and, and like everybody, like their heads are like nodding as I'm saying this. I'm like, look, you have all the, all the uh, right in the world to feel anxious. Like everybody's scared to, to get out because there's a ton of security on the inside. Yeah. Right. If you, you show up in the uniform, you get a haircut, you're, you're not a complete asshole and not completely um, dumb, you're going to do all right. I mean, that's the, that's just the, that's how it works. Right. That's the machine. Steady paycheck, roof over yeah, your head, meals. Yeah. All that, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you can collapse on a barracks room and you're still fine. You know, <laughs> if, if everything goes to crap, right. That's not the case in the civilian world. Right. So the onus is 100% on you as an individual. If you don't pay your bills, if you don't do, if you don't do all those things, it isn't like your first sergeant isn't, he's not coming to talk to you or your platoon sergeant's not, you know, jumping on you to, to make you do whatever you want to do. Right. So there's what I'm, what I'm learning and what I see a lot of guys doing. It's like, well, I don't know what to do. Do whatever you want to do, man. Like the VA will pay you literally to do anything you want to do with your life. Like Marine was great. But look, man, there's a lot of people in the world that could have been Marines or Navy SEALs or whatever. They just chose not to. They, they went on their path, right? Like, and I, I think that's a big thing that guys need to understand is we get brainwashed into thinking that we are the best. Sure, okay, I guess we are, right? And our, it's all relative. Like being the best is relative. But there are dudes in the civilian world that will easily outperform any Marine on the planet or Navy SEAL or whatever. And I get around, you know, my experience with the soft community, it's like, you know, it's like a lot of this type of stuff, right? Well, I'm Mr. Badass. Yeah, sure you are. Like, and congratulations. <laughs> but on the outside, right? Like there are dudes there. I just watched a documentary. I forgot the name of it. The three guys that ran across the Sahara desert. Mm -hmm. These dudes were never Marines. They were never Navy SEALs. They were never Marsoc dudes or whatever. They were, they're normal guys who just in their mind said, I'm going to run across Sahara Desert. <laughs> and they did. Like, that is amazing, right? These dudes. So, like, it's like on the scale of, like, are you a badass? Like, it just because you wear a uniform doesn't mean, like, that your identity is hinged on that thing. There are people across the world that do amazing things. And you can be part of that community, too. Just take the opportunity and run with it. Or do it like you did, man. Like. Sorry to be like on a soapbox right now, but like, I am really proud of you because you work for six months afterwards. And then one day it was just basically like, I'm over it. I'm moving to Europe. <laughs> and it was like, oh shit, Jimmy's moving to Europe. And it was like this weird, I'm going, I forgot where you were going first. You were going to Scotland for nursing or something. And then, and then you ended up in Romania and now you're a personal trainer and having a ton of fun and dressing all weird and shit. Like, <laughs> awesome, dude. Like that takes that right there is the example shouldn't be me. I think I'm voicing it the right way. I think I'm writing it the right way so people can hear it and see it. 
but you're living it, man. Like I'm like halfway to the cliff jump that you took. Like you went for it, man. And now look at you, you're happy and everything's working out and your kids come out and have a great time. And you know, it's, it's, it's all good, you know? So I'm going to throw in a cheap plug real quick. Uh, Romania is a great country, especially if you're looking to start over, you can uh, probably hunker down for a little while and, and save up some money. Cause living here is pretty cheap for uh, the is that right? dollar. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a couple guys, you know, and expatting, you know, and I, it's weird, right? It's when guy, it's almost the same conversation when you have you with young guys they are like, Oh, I'm going to get out of the Marine Corps. Okay, cool. But you know, you don't have to stay in your job. Right. Like you can go to all the like there's all these other things or look at the other services. If you're if you're just kind of over the marine culture, which happens pretty quickly for some guys, like don't don't discount the rest of the military. Right. That's essentially what you did with moving to Romania is like a lot of guys think they have to get out and they have to go home or they have to hunker down and they're going to be living a cup. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, and nothing against cops or Oklahoma. Well, kind of, but like, <laughs> right. Like I'm going to go home and be a cop in Oklahoma. Like, no dude, you can go to Romania and be a personal trainer. Look at what Jimmy's doing. You know, like that shit's awesome. But, or I uh, Belize is another one. I've heard guys expatting too, and are really happy down there. Um, expatting is a dream of mine. Hopefully I'll get there someday. At least, even if it's for a couple of years, um, just to kind of live in a different culture and a different environment. Um, try some beer, you know, that type of stuff. So um, I, I really, I mean, between the two of us, you really are the one with more courage. I might have a little bit more brains, but you have more courage. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to lie, man. One, one day I'll, I'll, I'll tell the whole story, but I totally ended up here by accident. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. But it's awesome, man, because how many people, retire from the core, especially the career we had, man. Well, I mean, like I'll tell you what's been the best dude is, you know, and I'm, I'm totally getting sidetracked here, but I, I had alluded to for me being retired military, like I don't have to worry about money living here. And it's, it's allowed me to pursue a lot of things that I wanted to do because sure. I really don't have any response. I mean, the, the work that I do with my clients is because I enjoy doing it. And they enjoy right. working with me. So, you know, they throw me a few bucks, but it's not because I need the money, man. But I'm constantly, you know, taking classes that would normally sure. in the U.S. It would cost a fortune. The VA, uh, I'm, I'm going to go back to school in the fall and the VA is paying for my school overseas. So, yeah, it's awesome, man. And guys just don't know this. They think that they have to go back and they have to, like, learn some trade and just like it's almost like the World War Two model. Right. Like. Mm -hmm go back home and wear your hat at the parade and then go do your like blue collar work or whatever. It's just not the case. Like the VA gives us such a, you know, an amazing opportunity and especially pensioners, right? Especially uh, either medical retirees or, or retirees that have that income coming in. And, you know, it, and so what it is, is like, you know, it's tough to be, a war fighter in this generation. The next article I'm going to write, I'm going to keep like, I'm going to, I'm going to put it out on this. Oh, podcast. Getting a teaser. <laughs> yeah. Is about the W right. The win. Cause our generation never experienced the win. Mm -hmm. We're fighting the longest war in our nation's history. And we never experienced the win. Right. But at the same flip of the token, same, same, 
flip of the token, same side of the coin, whatever, whatever you want to use. Right. No, we were all volunteers. It's not like anybody forced us to do what we did or what we experienced at any time. And the reality is, is at any time you could have tapped out, right? Like you could have said, okay, enough is enough. So knowing that we're an all volunteer force, but without the W right. The math for me, at least the correlation or the, 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 the solution to the equation is all volunteer force, no W creates an environment where pity can really play into the psyche. Right. And, uh, Colonel David Grossman, he wrote on killing, he talks about being, uh, being wary of the pity party. Right. And it's kind of alluding to that, but it's this generation. It's not World War II. It's not the history of combat. It's this generation specifically. And I think if we just had had the W back, you know, a long time ago, I think things would have played out a lot differently. I think guys getting out wouldn't be so hung up on their identity. But I hope a lot of guys listening to this and girls listening to this realize that they volunteered for it and that it's also their job to make themselves healthy and just put it to bed, address it, mourn it once a year, or, you know, whatever it is, a couple times a year with your friends, it, recognize it, it's there, but it's not who they are. They volunteered for this. Right? And that, that one is kind of a hard pill to swallow, right? Because it's like, fuck, man, nobody did this to me except for me. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, nobody did anything to me. I volunteered the entire time. So I'm not going to be out in public having a pity party. Like I asked for this. That's just personal responsibility at that point. But I see, oh, I'm a veteran. Oh, woe is me. Oh, okay, man. Like, if, okay, if you're really hurting, go get help. Don't at one time say, you know, the VA is a, <clears throat> VA is a crap organization. And then at the, the almost like, you know, on the same day, like, oh, I, I feel like crap. Go get help, man. Be responsible. You know, you know I'm going to I'm going to see. Th- I knew this was going to happen when we talk because you're bringing up so much good stuff. I got I got my little lead sheet out. But um, I, I got to hit on this because because you, you you struck a nerve. I see this so much, you know, when people talk about the VA sucks. I mean, the VA, I, I see what I see in the public eye. I know what the flaws are. Me personally, they've been good to me. They've paid for my college. Um, you know, I ha- when I got out, I had all my paperwork. They told me when I went to boot camp, when you get out of the Marine Corps, have all your stuff together. When it came time for me to retire, I had all my paperwork together. So when the VA told me, on this date, you will have your disability findings back. On that date, I got my stuff back. It, you following me? So yeah, me too. When I see people, yeah, I just doing what you're supposed to do. But then I see people, you know, when they, you know, a news article will come out about, you know, uh, somebody committing suicide in a VA office and it, it's a tra- tragedy. And a lot of VA offices do have crappy people. And there's a rule where they can't get fired. I, I don't know if that rule has been turned over or not, but regardless. But then my question is when people talk about, oh, I got depression, I got anxiety, the VA is not doing anything. My question is, what do you want the VA to do? Is it, is yeah. it, is it meds you're looking for? Are you looking for someone to talk to? 
you know, explain what it is that you want, which is kind of how I got started in all this, you know, watching some of our mutual friends having a hard time. Um, sure. And I was trying to correct myself and just started learning. You know, I'd learning all new stuff. That's why I decided to go off in a different path. But that's always my question is, what is it that you want the VA to do? And my mom and I talk about this because she's a um, nurse practitioner in psychiatry oh. or something. And, you know, same thing when patients come in. What is it that you want? What, what, is your, right. what is your problem and what is the solution that you're looking for? You know, and if you can't right. specify that, then um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think there's one of the things about transition. So to, things are pretty linear. People take care of things for you. People tell you when things need to be done. Do this, do that, go to dental, do, do your DTS, do your, you know, there's all like you're being told, you're being force fed how to live your life. Then you get out and it's like, well, what's the VA doing for me? The VA is waiting for you to go to them and learn the process. Like there isn't a first sergeant at the VA telling you how to go through the VA. That's on you, man. Like read a book, right? It's like that old, uh, read a book, read a book, right? (laughs) Like it's like, read a book, like pick it up. And the rules are right there. And if you know the rules, not only do you know how to use the rules, but then you know how to like get around the rules. Like it's easy, right? Like just go talk to people and learn. So nobody's so going to be like, oh, you're a veteran. Here's the red carpet. Here's what the VA will give you. And you know, it doesn't work like that on the outside. That being said, going back to the, the echo chamber, which was the, the title of your piece, um, you mentioned, and I, this is one of the things I highlighted, it was checklists. And you said, you know, the military really, after you've gotten used to how life is in the military, it's just really uh, a bunch of checklists, right? Yeah. And you kind of, after a while, you figure it out and things become automatic. Um, Now that you're out, do you still find yourself going through a checklist process with anything? Like, Uh, I I don't go to the grocery store without making a checklist. (laughs) You know, um, well, you know, part of my, I mean, Part of this is going to be comical. Part of this is going to be serious. So the, I'll address the serious part first. So when I went to, you know, I went to the TDI clinic up in Bethesda uh, National Intrepid Center of Excellence, and I was really fortunate. And I consider myself very lucky to have uh, attended that inpatient care. And because of my traumatic brain injury and PTSD and depression, all the things that most of us deal with um, as just part of our fabric after the types of careers we had, um, I use checklists just so I can give myself back some, some, uh, bandwidth, right. To give myself back. I don't have to think about it. Like hit a reminder on my phone. Hey, uh, I have one right now. Pay bills with new credit card reminder (laughs) three hours ago. Right. So, um, no, uh, some of it. Yes. Some of it. I, I, it's more about feeling accomplished every day. So like yesterday I went to universal studios And like at the end of the day, I either feel accomplished, whatever goal I set for that day, I either feel accomplished or I don't. And if I don't feel accomplished, it's, so it's not more like a checklist thing. It's just like in the morning, what I'm doing now is like, I go, okay, I want to do these things. Mm -hmm. And so if I do those things, like yesterday, man, I got smoked. Like I set a new record on my move thing since I got my Apple watch and everything. I mean, we walked for eight hours, my feet hurt and everything. And we had to drive back to Clearwater from Orlando. It's about an hour and a half, I guess. And I was just like, 
I feel accomplished, you know, like, holy smokes, you know, that was a, it was fun and it was exactly what I wanted to do. And I got a workout. And so it's more like, I don't know if it's exactly like checklist, man. I've like missed some bills here and there, you know, like, I mean, I'm like doing civilian stuff, you know, I'm a civilian, you know, it's like, oh man, yeah, I got to do this because part of it is I just don't worry about like somebody coming down on me and screwing up my workflow at work. Right. Like the reason why I would do all of the things at work on time, like all that periphery stuff is because the, my core job, I wanted to just work on that. I wanted to go to work and I wanted to work on that. I was very obsessive about it. So most people thought I was like doing my annual training, being the first one done because that's who I was. It was like, no, I just want people off my back so I can continue working on this shit because it's important. Or at least I thought it was important. Yeah, yeah. To me, it was the most important thing in the world at the time, whatever I was working on. So I'm just a megalomaniac like that. But I, I think that, um, yeah, I think that, I don't know if it's a checklist thing so much. I definitely use the planning process. If I'm doing like a big movement, like if I'm going to go on a vacation or if I'm going to uh, do some type of travel, but I think that's just because of the lifestyle we live. Like I know what I need on travel or not on travel, but I'll checklist everything. Like, do I have my passport? Do I have my visa? Do I have at least one coat? Do I have, you know, three pairs of shoes? Do I have, you know, like I'll definitely do that kind of stuff. So. Well, and, and I, I, I'm a big fan of the word goals. In fact, I'm, uh, I'm doing a course right now. Um, another uh, exercise course for like endurance athletes. Um, but it's, uh, we talked about goals and I like having goals. I set goals with clients. I set goals in my personal life. And, you know, when I was transitioning out, but I still have Marines under me, I would encourage them to set goals. So like, even if we go back to transition, what's your ultimate goal? I want to, you know, if I rate a disability, I want to get the max disability that I rate. Okay. What little goals can you, and, you know, instead of saying checklist, you can just say, what little goals can you put in place to get there? Today, I want to photocopy my entire medical record. That's a right. goal. You know, yeah. little things like well, that. Well, and knowing that those goals aren't going to be, like, fun or comfortable either, right? Like, <laughs> I, I have that conversation with my son. He's a freshman in high school. He's a 4.0 student. But he is just, like, sludging through school. He's just like, Dad, it's so bad. And I'm like... Look, man, there's a lot of things in life that you, like it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, you know, it, it, it's not going to be fun or comfortable, but you got to do it. So just you're good at it. Just go to school, do it and, and move on. Right. And that, so like thinking big and taking small steps. Right. So think big, take those small steps. And that's what you're talking about. That's, yeah, yeah. that's, that's how I relay it. So think big, take small steps. Some of those small steps are going to hurt. They're going to be boring. They're going to be uncomfortable. They're going to take away time from things that you want to be doing. But you got to do that to stay on track, right? And so um, that's a really, really important, um, really important thing to understand. I would also say for young uh, enlisted, specifically, uh, young enlisted guys getting out and listening, that multitasking has to be a very good, you have to get very good at multitasking. Cause one thing I think at least I'm talking from Marine infantry, right? Uh, background. We do 110% on the task at hand, right? That's great for the machine who needs this person to do this thing and this person to do this thing. 
and this person to do this thing. Like it's almost like a very communist society in a, in a way. Right. Um, I mean, it is, I mean, it, like, <laughs> I got you. it's like the collective, right? The collective good. And everybody does their thing. It's fucking animal farm in a platoon. Right. So, <laughs> but like, and that's great to accomplish the mission, but when you're a civilian, you have to do all of that on yourself. And I think one of the better things I learned how to do is not necessarily checklist, but prioritize really well. So it's like, Hey man, not a, if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. I got to learn how to prioritize. I got to learn how to say, okay, this thing here, I just don't have the time for it today. This one is the most priority, especially with money. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. for what it's worth, I got, I've got money now. It's great. Right. So it's like, well, what can I, what can I do this? Like, do I want to, you know, do, do I want to go on a vacation I've never been on or do I want to, you know, update my house or do I, you know, I bought the new car and, you know, it's like the nicest car I've ever had. And so it's like, there's that too. So it's, it's about prioritization more than checklists. Sure. Yeah. Prioritization and multitasking. So one priority might be here and one might be over here and one might be like way up over here. And I'm kind of addressing those, um, in sync. And I think that that's my strength now where if I was a Lance Corporal or Corporal, I'd be like, I am going to focus on this one priority until it is done 110%. And these ones are like falling off the cliff. Right. And it's like, Oh, miss that opportunity, miss that opportunity. So which I think that, that's a strength. A good segue to my, my next thing that I, I really enjoyed from your article, the pull-ups. Oh, man, right? Let's talk about Yeah, right? I mean, I thought that was a pretty good analogy, yeah. I really like this one, and I'm going to let you say your piece, and then I'll, I'll say what I took away from it, you know, knowing what I know now. But if you would, could you just kind of give a is, – is synapsis the right word? Sure, yeah, yeah. So, uh, synopsis. Yes. Snaps happens in the brain. <laughs> okay, so, um, you know, the, the idea behind that analogy was, it, it, okay, so I'm going to, it was written very Marine. So it resonates with you because you were an infantry Marine and you get it, right? So let's just lay this out real quick. So in the yeah, Marine Corps it, and then I'll test, uh, in the Marine Corps physical fitness test, in order to get, 100 points on the pull-ups portion of the physical fitness test, a male Marine needs to get 20 pull-ups. Uh, a perfect score is 300. That's like a three-mile run in 18 minutes. I think it's 100 crunches in two minutes yeah. and 20 pull-ups. Uh, so Fritz went on to write a piece about the pull-ups, talking about how people always max out the pull-ups or do more, even though – 20 is 100 points. Some people like to go up there and just go past 20. Um, right. To show what they so the can idea. do. And it goes into sort of like, you know, some of that identity management once your time in the military is over. And, and then you look back on some of the physical issues at that 110%, as we like to say, when, you know, really you can't give more than – I had a platoon sergeant used to say, you can't give 110%. You got 100%, and that's everything. <laughs> but, yeah, that's it. For, for, for the sake of the discussion, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, what happens when you give 110%. Yeah. So like, you know, I think the 110 per, and I think we're coming around, right? Like our generation of the Marine Corps was, 
I think the last really part, and I mean, whether it's good or bad, it was the last time in the Marine Corps that it was like, you are like, like you, you almost don't know what you're doing. You're just driving. Right. And the new, the newer Marine Corps um, for what it's worth has more of that outlook of like resiliency and the bounce back and kind of like taking care of your body, um, taking care of your mind um, for the long haul. Right. And I think that's one of the good things. It comes off as being like a weaker uh, culture, but I think in the, the long game, it's, it's a, it's smarter than what we did. Right. Like, our our generation was suited sp- like perfectly for what we ended up after September 11th going up against, right? But, but we never knew it was going to last for this long. So there there had to be this evolution. But the pull up thing is the analogy of in a culture where you think like 20 pull ups is perfect, and you're essentially a piece of shit if you either you don't get like above 15 usually like 18 to 20, right? That was like in our, like in our culture, it was like, if you don't get above 18, man, like you're, you're going to be on remedial PT. That is insane when you can contrast it and compare it to like the civilian world, like a civilian being like, how many civilians out there are like, they can just rip 20 pull-ups, right? Like just on the idea of human strength alone, do, being able to do pull-ups is pretty significant for most people in the world. Strict, like, dang pull-ups. Now, again, this is an analogy. It isn't just about the pull-ups. It's about sure. the, our mindset and our way of life. Then, like, a couple of years ago, they up it, like, arbitrarily to 23. I, don't, I never saw the data, but for whatever reason, they're like, yeah, the Marine Corps is like, yeah, 20 isn't good enough. We're doing 23 now. <laughs> yeah, 20 isn't – and it's like – Dude, have you ever been to a gym out in town and see guys do 20 pull-ups? Like it never happens, right? So it happened. So then what it is is like, well, the Marine Corps is right about this. We need to start doing it. And these guys are just cranking out pull-ups. I mean, there's some dudes out there that are just natural beasts, right? I'm five foot seven. Like I said on uh, you know, on uh the last podcast I was on with Sal and Keith is like. I'm basically the shitty version of Prefontaine. I'm five foot seven. My leg is shorter than, than my other leg. Right. I'm, I'm like a little overweight. And hey, so hey, like, I got to tell you, I just got sized up for a new pair of running shoes today because I destroyed mine in a trail run over the weekend. And I discovered, oh, I, saw that, I discovered yeah. that I have one foot wider than the other. And then the opposite sure. is shorter than that one. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. Yeah. We're like, we're like, we're like mutants walking around, you know, but like, uh, so, um, so the, you know, I, I always had to work really hard to do what I needed to do to, to be the infantry squad leader or the scout sniper or the, you know what I mean? Like be the guy that like, Hey, we're doing something. Fritz needs to come with us. I always set myself up for that through a lot of torture, both mental and physical torture. I mean, it's really what it is. It's, it's like uh, masochism at its best. Right. And, um, and now I have like chronic elbow issues and, you know, I have uh, bilateral labrum tears in my shoulders and, you know, just all these issues where like a normal healthy 40 year old is like still out there crushing marathons and, you know, just like, yeah, I'm 40, man. I feel like I'm 60 at 40, you know? And like, because of that, because of that buy-in, right? You're like, no, I got to do it. I got to, I got to get it. I got to get it. And it's like, 
it doesn't really help you for promotion, right? Like once you get a first class, you're good. But there's first and, class and there's way pretty big difference between first class. It's a lot of score. Right. But the ego of the perfect mm-hmm. score drives guys into this, like, it's almost like this obsession, right? Of like, and it's like, for what? For just, you get a certificate from your company commander and like a pat on the back and you literally destroy your body doing it. And so that's like, that's, that is the best analogy I could come up with for guys who are transitioning. It's like, look, dude, you do not need to work that hard. Like think about it contextually, like work as hard as you need to, and then be, you know, prior multi multi-level priorities at once. Don't be the guy who's just running down this linear path that once he hits uh, adversity is like falls apart. Oh, well, that didn't work. Fuck. I'm a failure. Well, it's like, no, dude. One of the things that uh, it made me think about, and I don't remember, I did a short podcast a couple weeks ago and then I went on vacation. Um, But it was a short one I did by myself. And I don't even remember if I mentioned this, but when I read this thing on the pull-ups, it really resonated with me. And I was thinking about the culture and, you know, when you go on a hike, you know, a forced march, a hump, a hike, whatever terminology you want to use, you're in uniform, you got all your gear, whatever your weapon is. One guy might have an M16, one guy might have a machine gun and some poor bastard might have a mortar, you know? Um, right. You, you don't ever want to fall out of the hump. It's a, it's a source of pride. You don't want to let the pack. Oh, yeah. But then if you break your leg or snap your ankle or something like that, you don't, it, nobody ever thinks, man, my body was not prepared. My body was, t- was trying to tell me to slow down. It's a, it's like, a, it's a mental thing. It's like oh, yeah. you broke your leg because you were too mentally weak to keep your body from falling apart. <laughs> well, yeah. And that, no, you're right. Right. That, that is a uh, paradox. So it's like, dude, like it, it takes a lot more courage to, and strength to not put yourself through that sometimes when your body's talking to you, you you know, like something's like wrong than being like, no, I'm not going to fall out. I'm not going to let these dudes see me be weak because if you do end up tearing your meniscus or you get a hernia, lots of hernias in the infantry, um, you know, you, you do these dumb things, you're out for six months or you're out of the core. You just let the entire unit down. But like leaders don't see it that way or, some do, right? Not all. That's like a very generic statement. The best leaders in, that I saw were the guys who took the heaviest dudes, like, you know, the um, carrying the 50 cal receiver or carrying the 81's base plate or whatever it is. Put them up front and we don't go any faster than them. Mm-hmm. But then you would see the ego monkeys, like the six foot seven battalion commander who's just stepping it out and doesn't care what's going on behind them. Like, yeah. they're either going to keep up with me or they're not. You know, and they're either going to, I'm going to make them hard. And it's like, dude, this guy is carrying like 150 pounds on his back in sand. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know, all guys like us, right? (laughs) Yeah. What are we doing here? Yeah. 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 It's huge guys. Right. All you see is a pack and a couple feet underneath of it. Dude, the worst man. I was talking about this last night with uh, Patty. Patty was in the military too. So she puts up a lot of with my like military ranting, (laughs) but like, Dude, I'd show up to my platoon, I'm 18 years old, and we go on, like, you know, your first death run, right? To, to weed out, like, the boots, like, who can hang and who mm-hmm. needs to, like, get up to speed quick. 
and I was one of the guys up front. Like there wasn't a dude, even no salts couldn't beat me. Like I was fast, strong. So they're like, Oh, you're the radio operator. So I'm like the victim of my own success. And these are the old radios. It isn't like some little thing I have in my ammo pouch now, you know, these are the old, uh, 117 Bravos. And I'm carrying this thing around, you know, I've got my rifle and now I'm carrying 25 pounds on that extra 25 pounds with all the batteries and everything. And then on top of that, because I'm the only guy with a backpack, usually everybody's trying to throw their shit in my bag. And I'm like, get away from me, man. (laughs) I don't want your stuff. Like, look at me. I'm five foot seven. I like, I I, I know I make it look easy, but it's not easy. (laughs) I got shin splints and. I could probably go on for a good couple hours about stories like that. I was the saw gunner right out, out of the bat, which wasn't so bad in itself, except for, you know, you're supposed to have an A gunner, but the A never gunner never carries the ammo or the A bag. No, no. He's just like another dude. And, yeah. And then, oh, well, you know, that guy seems to be doing okay. Let's load him up with two AT fours. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. He's strong. Give him some more stuff. It's like, no dude. <laughs> but but I, I'll tell you, man. And, and the reason I bring this up is because, um, you know, when I went through my final physical and everything, like I, I had a lot of issues. Some I didn't even know that I had, but the doctors identified it right away. Um, you know, the guys like I, I can tell just by looking at you, your left knee is is spent. I'm like, really? Because it's my right that is giving me problems. And you know, sure enough, yeah, when when they looked at it, yeah. um, sure compensating. But what I what uh I noticed was so you know then I get into this this health and fitness which I have to talk about. Um, but as I started training, because I was just unhappy with where I, what I had become post-military, I started training what I call the right way. I started listening to other people and you know, I started listening to like podcasts and stuff like that and just learning all kind of weird science. And, and now that I'm in taking the classes and getting certifications and working with other people, bro, I have honestly, I can tell you, I've undid a lot of the damage that I did previously just by training myself the right way um and and it's easy for you know now it's easy for us to sit back in an armchair general but if i ever was to have a a direct line to somebody you know like i i would be a big proponent for um you know trying something different the the way that units conduct pt for the resiliency piece that you had alluded to now i know the marine corps has some sort of uh strength and conditioning school at Quantico. Last I heard, there was no certification with it, but maybe they're coming around. I think it's getting better, man. Um, Hopefully my, my, you know, like McMap. McMap was a great idea when it came out, but in practice it kind of like fell apart. Right. I mean, that's just kind of the reality of it. It turned, it turned into a checklist. Are you a green belt to pick up staff sergeant? Are you a black belt to pick up, you know, gunny or mass sergeant? You know, it just became a thing, you know, and that, for you know guys who were there at the beginning of it it was like whoa dude this is going to be cool right and i think that hopefully that's the same i hope that that doesn't happen to the uh whatever they call it it's like a physical trainer specialist or i don't know what it is but you know interestingly about the transition for like i just got back into running i was across it i saw that yeah so i was a cross-country runner um uh, in high school as a varsity cross-country runner I was really, I ran sub, my last sub 18 was, 
like at my eight or 15 year mark, 16 year mark. So I ran pretty good, you know, for a long time. And then it just, I kind of hit this wall, man. My hips started going, my lower back started going, my Achilles tendons, I was on uh, limited duty for like a year because of my Achilles tendons. So for the last couple of years, I had to really lay off of it. And I love running. Like I'm a runner, like in my mind, I'm always running. And so um, what I've, when I retired, what I noticed is like part of that identity management was the Marine Corps made me PT so hard for so long that I'm just not doing it. Like, I'm just, I'm just good. You know, I'm just going to relax. Then as I matured as a transitioning Marine, I realized, wait a second, I was like a cross country running wrestler before I joined the Marine Corps. Like that's part of who Fritz is. Yeah. And it was kind of a moment. It was just like a moment. I was in my, my living room and I was like, no, wait a second. I like running. Like this isn't, this isn't something the Marine Corps made me do. And by the way, if you're a runner in the Marine Corps, a lot of guys give you crap about it. Oh, why are you running? You know, you should be deadlifting. It's like, cause I like running, dude. I don't like deadlifting. You know, it's like, it's just not who I am. So I've gotten back into running and it's great. And you know what, man, I'm starting all over and it's cool because I can listen to my body now. So when I was running before, I'd be like, I am not stopping prior to, let's say, five miles. Like, I don't care what happens. I am running five miles. <laughs> and now because of the injuries and kind of the things that are going on and just having to be a little bit smarter, if I feel like walking at an hour I'm, or walking at a mile, I'm walking at a mile. And I'll walk it out for a little bit. I did four miles last week. That's the first four miles I've ran in a long time. And I was like wow, I actually feel pretty good, but I was really listening to my body. There was a couple of times where I walked and was like stretching out some stuff and then take off again. In the Marine Corps, if you stop on a run, you're done, right? <laughs> right. I mean, that's the culture of it. Like you're a shipbird and you get shamed into some like remedial program. Now I get to do it like the right way because I want to be running at 60. I want to be the old dude people see just kind of jogging down the road and just enjoying the run, you know, his daily run. If I kept doing what I was doing in the Marine Corps, it got me to the point where I could barely pass a PFT. I mean, that's the reality, right? And so I don't ever want to get myself, I don't want Fritz ever to be in that position again, like putting myself into that. And luckily I don't ever have to do it again because I'm retired. (laughs) You can walk it out. (laughs) Yeah, I can walk it out. I'm just okay to walk it out. I guess the whole moral of that is it's okay to walk it out. Yeah, yeah. Because the idea is to stay healthy. Right. Because, you know, it's like half empty, half full. Like, I'm looking at everything half full. It's not that I don't run a 300 PFT anymore. It's, I'm out, I have the discipline as a retiree to be out there every day and getting my hour or two of exercise in, which is more important for this shit than anything. Yes. And that's another thing that guys don't understand. So you and I are seeing each other. I haven't quite figured out how to make videos yet, but just so everybody knows, uh, Fritz is pointing to his head when he says it's good for this because uh, it is a fact that, you know, science, whether or um, it is a scientific fact that, you know, exercise, be it cardio, lifting weights or whatever, uh, promotes neurogenesis, which is the regrowth or growth of new brain cells. Um, and you may have noticed earlier, Fritz alluded to the fact that he had been treated for a traumatic brain injury after five 
combat deploy- deployments, right? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Thir- well, there's actually 13 TB- mild TBIs up in this brain. So he's got 13 mild TBIs. So what he's, what he's saying is he, he's getting out there, getting his exercise. It's not only clearing his head of bad thoughts, but he's actually treating his brain as a muscle and working it out just as you would your biceps, your chest, or your legs. Well, you know, I always joke a lot, you know, I joke about PMA a lot, like, you know, positive mental attitude, but that is an exercise in itself, you know? And it's weird how things like my dad, my dad was a lot older when I was born. So like growing up with him was a different experience because, you know, it's not like the young dad who's like coaching you in football or, you know, that type of stuff. It was like my dad had lived his life and had learned all the things he needed to learn. And one of the things he would say is, you know, every morning when you wake up, you should tell yourself today is going to be a good day. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to accomplish what I set out to accomplish. And I'm going to be happy with what I accomplished. My dad would say that to me every day, right? So just by my upbringing, I, it's coming around to the point where my dad didn't do a ton. He was an older guy and he was an international businessman. He was always gone. But the things that he did say to me, are now starting to come out as a 40 year old man. Right. And it's like, Oh, that's what he meant. Right. And he was 12 years older than I am now when I was born, but it's like, Oh, that's what he was saying. Okay. I get it now. And he's no, he's no longer around. You know, he passed away years ago, but it's like, okay, I get you dead. Now I know what you're saying. So Fritz, I'm, I'm going to want to hit two more points and then, uh, you know, then we can go ahead and uh, say farewell for now. Uh, okay. And I'm, I'm going to, I'll, I'll try to formulate like a Q&A to kind of sure. Along. So one of the things in the piece that you wrote talked about friends and um, it, it was something to the effect of, uh, you know, when you get out of the military, you might keep in touch with a bunch of friends at first and then they kind of fade out. And eventually you may have one or two good friends that you still keep in touch with. Right. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I was starting to as again, because I knew that my day was coming you know, like my last year, year and a half in the Marine Corps, I was trying to encourage the guys um, to get involved in activities, you know, yeah. more so because I was trying to build some sort of community service thing, but that's neither here nor there. But I, whenever I see people talking about, you know, they got nothing to do or they don't, they, they miss the camaraderie and, you know, whatever. Um, I said, you know, join a cycling club or a running club, or I know you, you were a skateboarder. I don't know if they have skateboard clubs, but you probably find people to skate with. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Anything, right? I don't, I don't know. I mean, you're a pretty popular guy. I'm I'm sure you got a lot of friends, but do you have, when you got out, like, do you have any, did you find any difficulty making civilian friends once you left the Marine Corps? And was it, if, if not, was it based on just, Hey, I'm going to go out and participate in this activity. Um, you know, I, luckily I live in a pretty social area, right? So Wilmington is a, is a highly social area. There's a lot of great, like great craft beer places and restaurants and the beach and downtown. Like it's really good. There's a lot of interesting, I also spend some time up in Richmond, which is kind of a very, uh, eclectic area as well. But I just enjoy people, man. Like, somebody could be completely different than me and I just sit back and watch and it's just like, this is awesome, you know? But, you know, I think another thing that Marines 
should probably get good at before they get out is like not talking about the Marine Corps all the time and like start reading the news or start following events. I mean, a lot of guys are sports guys, like getting into fantasy football. I'm not, believe it or not. I just, I, I think I've watched like three Super Bowls in my life and that's about the extent like when, like when the Broncos are playing, that's when I like watch uh, sports. I'm just not a sports guy, believe it or not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, get out there and do things. I, I'm part of several uh, clubs. Um, it's more military related right now, like helping out uh, dudes. Like with that, I'm an ambassador for this organization called Operation Healing Forces. And they take guys like us and their wives on these like week long, amazing vacations that these like essentially uber rich patriots donate for. You got a, uh, a website or something for that? Yeah, uh, anybody can look it up. It's Operation Healing Forces. And I can tell you that uh, I'm I'm an ambassador for a reason because it was an amazing experience. I went into it thinking like, okay, they're going to pay for a vacation. I'll take it. You know, like, <laughs> like I, I mean, I did. I went in like that's And then I came out like five days later, like this was outstanding because there's you know, a lot of problems why I think guys um, don't do those things is like there's a psych on staff or it has a religious spin to it or whatever. And some guys do it because of those things and that's fine. But in my mind, I just want to go on vacation, man. Like I just need to take a knee and drink daiquiris and enjoy myself and not worry about having to go to the couple's session or whatever it is, right? Like the credo retreats, for example. And, um, Operation Healing Forces, that's exactly what they do. They take five couples usually at a time. And you can look this up. It's like uh, operationhealingforces.org. And um, and you sign up and you are selected and they pay for everything and treat you like a king for a week. And it's amazing. And what it is, is they get you into situations where it's like peer-to-peer talk. So there's no there's nobody there except like your handler and the couples. And then it's just like, like this, you know, it's just talking back and forth and you learn a bunch of stuff, you know, just VA stuff or whatever it is, you know, like job opportunities, those types of things. So I, that's what I'm doing now. That's one of the other things I'm doing is like an ambassador for that to get guys linked in. So now the, the, there was a, a paragraph and I want to read this verbatim that you had written. Uh, it says, what hobbies or interests can you explore um, and learn that isn't going to get published in the next tactical bathroom magazine. The military isn't everything. It's a chapter in the book of life and deployments are the paragraphs. I'm, I'm guilty. I'm going to raise my hand because sometimes I find myself, you know, if I'm watching the news, I'm thinking, what would I do? And, uh, you know, when I was transitioning out, you know, I was still like, I would get an idea and I would scribble it down, you know, always trying to come up with a new tactic or something. So I, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about like, you know, writing an article for Leatherneck you, you or only. I was thinking about you only when I wrote that. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. But you know, a lot of guys, when they get out, you know, you always open up like Leatherneck magazine or, or the Marine Corps Gazette and it's an article written by so-and-so USMC retired. Right. right? And so, there's nothing wrong with that, right? There, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with talking about it and, um, and or, or even enjoying like three gun shooting or two gun shooting or wh- whatever it is, you know what I mean? 
but I see like the guys who get out and are essentially the same person that they are when they're in, you know, it's like all the, and it's like, man, like, you know, you have this opportunity to go do anything you want. And, and like, like literally anything in the world, you can go fly airplanes. Now you can go freaking, I, I don't, I don't know. You can do anything you want to do, but you choose to like, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, the, the thing, you know, and it's like, cool. In my, in my case, my son's 15. He's really into it. And what I've decided is that I'm going to coach him because I enjoy coaching and teaching more than actually doing. Um, I can still shoot, but it's just after the career that we've had, like how many more bullets in my life do I need to shoot to like, it just doesn't excite me anymore. What excites me is teaching my son. So I want to get him into some competitions and really start watching the gears turn in his head and it really, you know, watching and then just spending quality time. It's like man time on my son, you know? So like watching the light bulbs go off, like when you teach a young Marine how to shoot properly for the first time, they're like, Oh, you know, it's like the greatest thing ever. Um, so I'm still gonna, I still have guns and stuff. I'm not saying don't be that guy. What I'm saying is, is do more than that as well. Yeah. I mean, so the, the big takeaway is, um, you know, it, it's okay to to tell stories, you know, with your, when you're with your buddies. And, and I think you even mentioned that somewhere in there too. But, you know, it's like, uh, I was just telling somebody the other day, you know, we, we, at some point in your career, you always had somebody tell you, you know, the Marine Corps is a part of you, but it doesn't define who you are, you know? Yeah. It doesn't define Fritz Slayer. It doesn't provide or uh, define, you know, James Connor. It doesn't define whoever there's a time and a place, you know, and, and the point is some people have a hard, a, a hard time letting go. Um, but, yeah. you know, and when you look and uh, pre nine 11, and, and I love the part you did on Sal and Keith's show when you were talking about pre nine 11, because I remember how things were before we were just deployed all the time, but we didn't, you know, we grew up watching Vietnam movies and still watching world war two movies, you know, pre nine yeah. 11, there was a big, a resurgence of World War II activity when Saving Private Ryan came out and then Band of Brothers yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that. Them guys, man, when the war was over, they went to work and <laughs> started families and all that. But they got the W. They got the W. And that's that's my whole point. In, in two theaters. Yeah, and so this is like a more, you know, and I kind of alluded to it on Sal's podcast, is like that's more of a strategic conversation. But it's like... And I put that on Facebook a couple of days ago, like random thought, right? And that was really the teaser trailer is like, what, where would veteran mental health be today if we'd won the war 15 years ago? Yeah. That's an important question to ask in today's environment of, you know, 22 a day. And I mean, you've dealt with suicide. I've dealt with suicide. I mean, we deal with this almost like... <laughs> It feels like weekly now, right? Mm -hmm. There's some scary statistics out there, you know. The whole 22 a day isn't about 22 a day like us. Half of those 22 a day, so roughly 11 or 55 and older, they're guys who got out and tried to make a go at it, right? And 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 then at 55 years older, like, uh, you know, they another family they ran through or, you know, like, you know, they got fired from a couple other jobs and they're just not happy and they end up doing themselves in, you know? I mean, that is a scary statistic. 55 and older makes up for half of 22 a day. Yeah. That, that right there should tell guys, 
go be happy. Do it the right way when you transition, because it's not about right now. It's about 20 years from now. Like if you don't address the things appropriately, then you don't, you cannot predict what you're going to be doing at 55 years old. But I don't think many people when they get out of the military and I hate to be graphic, want to be sitting on their couch with a shotgun at 55 years old alone. I mean, how many people want to end up like that? So say, say that one more time that it, it's a, how did you, how did you put it? It's a, a lesson right there to go be happy. Right. I mean, okay. that statistic in itself is the warning shot for, to be graphic, right? Yeah. Yeah. To, to go out and be happy and make an effort to be positive and to recognize what you did was an all volunteer thing. It was, it, it is very significant. You need to get the help you need because you experience trauma, right? You, in various forms, sight, sounds, you know, all of those things, you, you've experienced tremendous loss. It doesn't mean you can't acknowledge that and still be happy. You can be happy today. And one of the things that Nyko taught me that will resonate with me forever is that all anxiety, stress, and fear lie in two places, your past and your future. What they say up there is that the past is a memory and the future is a fantasy. The only thing you can affect is right now, like right now. We live in the element right now, but a lot of people focus in those two directions too much. And then, and they can't control those two things, right? The past has already happened and the future hasn't happened. And so when you talk about making a goal and then taking those steps to meet that goal, that's what you're doing. You're controlling the present. So make those big goals control the present, you know, take those small steps toward that goal. So I had a spot on the script for final thoughts and words of wisdom, but I think you just did that right there, buddy. <laughs> I try, man. I just, I, I think it's really important for everybody to be as happy as they can because it's, it, we get one chance at this thing and what, what's the point if we're not living it to its fullest. And for our peer group, another thing, I just want to say one last parting shot. We are very lucky, and I said this on Sal and Keith's uh, uh, podcast, we're very lucky to be born in a country we were born in and as healthy enough to be serving in the United States military in combat. We're very lucky to be hitting that genetic lottery. We really did. And it, that's, not a, that's not like a racial statement or anything. It's just when whoever decided we were going to become a human being, we were, we sprouted in like the best part of the world. Right. And anybody who disagrees with that needs to travel the world <laughs> and they can come at me, come at me, bro. Yeah. Right. Um, and that the pity party and the sorrow and all those things are th things in our past, but we have such an opportunity that if we don't take care of it, we're letting down, we're, we're basically crapping in the faces of a lot of people that, will never, ever have that opportunity, right? So to go out there and do good things and provide goodwill and to have the, you know, the, the conscience and the, the context to be happy. I mean, it's right there. It's within grasp, period. And you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's true. I mean, it is true, though. Fritz, it's, it's been great, man. I'm going to let you get back to uh, enjoying sunny Florida. 
yeah. and, uh, visiting friends and spending time with your lady. Uh, you can check out Fritz on, on, uh, uncle sugar's magic circus on YouTube with Donovan Salerno and Keith Kelly. Um, and plug your ambassadorship one more time, please. Uh, again, check out operationhealingforces.org. It's a great one. And anybody who's in uh, and transitioning out of the special operations community, I highly recommend you look at the Honor Foundation uh, and enrolling in that before you uh, get out. So that should be your six-month mark goal uh, before getting out. All right, brother. Well, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, go through and, and uh, as I always do, I check these things out and I have my my lady friend do any editing what needs to be done and uh, should be on the airwaves on Tuesday. Awesome. Jimmy, I, I, uh, I'm really proud to be your friend, man. You truly are a hero. Um, you're a hero of mine and I'm glad that you're doing healthy and uh, thanks for your time today. Thanks brother. You too. I I'll see you on the messenger. <laughs> okay. See you there. <laughs> Later.